like, how do you make it clear and how do you make it concrete? Because I feel like that's when, for me, ideas really penetrate. And so I'm always like, how can I communicate my ideas the most vividly? Welcome to the Ignited Recovery Podcast, a new way forward for anyone looking for answers but feeling left out. If you've been searching for empowerment, triumph, and purpose, you've found them right here. You won't hear the same solutions and you're not going to have any excuses to fall back on because Ignited Recovery allows heroes to rise and become their best selves. I'm Dr. Adi Jaffe and I can't wait to be your guide on this journey. Are you ready to become an Ignited Hero? My name is Gretchen Rubin and I'm a writer and podcaster who uh explores happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm probably best known for my book, The Happiness Project. Um, also, my book, Better Than Before, that's about the 21 habits of strategy, the 21 strategies we can use to make or break our habits. And then also The Four Tendencies, which is a personality framework that I came up with that divides all of mankind into four categories. Yes, I say it can be done. Um, and then I also have a podcast called Happier with Gretchen Rubin, where I talk each week um, with my co-host, who's also my sister, Elizabeth Kraft, um, about, you know, lessons from pop culture, the cutting edge science, uh, wisdom of the ages, and our own experiences about how to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. Beautiful. Thank you for that. Um, how did you get into this? What, what sparked this interest in happiness? Well, I had started my career in law and I was actually clerking for Justice Sandra Day O'Connor on the Supreme Court when I realized that I wanted to be a writer. So I had written several books and um, I was and I was just finishing my biography of JFK. And so I had a little bit more open mental space than I usually do when I'm writing. And I was stuck on a city bus in the pouring rain. And I thought, what do I want from life anyway? And I thought, I want to be happy. But I realized I didn't spend any time thinking, am I happy? What does it mean to be happy? Can I be happier? What, what would you do? Is, you know. And so I thought, I should have a happiness project and figure this out. And so I ran out the next day to the library and got a giant stack of books about happiness. And that was several books ago. I've been writing and researching and talking to people about happiness, you know, for more than 10 years now. And, you know, when I, you get interested in happiness, well, then I started getting interested in habits because a lot of times it's not that we don't know that we would be happier if we exercised or quit sugar or read more or stayed off our devices or spent more time with our friends. It's just we're not doing that. So then that gets to the question of like, well, then how can you do that? Um, and so I found that just this, the general subject of happiness and human nature is, was just so inexhaustibly fascinating uh, that I've really been exploring it ever since. So I got to ask this question because I was wondering about this when I was reading your bio. I can't find another person who's clerk for Supreme Court justice and then ended up taking such a, a massive uh, career shift. Your father was an, an attorney. Yes. And, you know, I, I come from a family of physicians and I know what it was like when I decided to not go to medical school. It was, it was yes. a thing. Did you ever feel any, especially in the chase for happiness, right? Coming from this sort of very, um, uh, it's held to such a high standard, the, such a status associated with the um, uh, Supreme Court. And then saying one day, hey, 
I want to find out how to be happier and go write books about it. I'm wondering what that inner process was like for you. Mm. Well, it's funny. There's somebody made an even more, I think, um, kind of colorful shift than I did. Um, somebody else who clerked for Justice O'Connor left, uh, left and eventually became a tenor in the Boston Opera, um, though he's now back practicing law. But so I thought that was even more dramatic because I'm still like writing and researching and that's very lawyerly. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm super fortunate because everyone in my family, everyone around me was very tolerant of me taking a big risk. My father loves law himself, but he didn't have any particular um, desire to see me become a lawyer. I mean, he thought I would be good at it. But um, but when I said I wanted to try something else, everyone was very much like, okay, well, then get going. Um, now, it was hard to start over from the beginning because the fact is I had no, I had published no stories. I had no clips. I had, you know, I'd majored in English and done a lot of reading and writing, but I had nothing kind of in my my in my playbook um, to show that I could write. Whereas as a lawyer, of course, I was editor in chief of the law review. I had won an award. I was clerk at the Supreme Court. I had all kinds of bells and whistles. Um, but, you know, I just, I had this, at that time, I had an idea for a book that I wanted to write so badly. Um, I kind of, in my mind, it's sort of like, you know, that scene in Star Wars where the Millennium Falcon is caught in the tractor beam and they're like, we've just got to let go because this, the Death Star is pulling us in. It will rip the ship apart if we don't, if we resist. And I kind of felt like that myself. I was like, it wasn't that I wanted to leave law so much. It was like, I wanted to write this book so badly. I couldn't resist. I just had to say, okay, I am going um, to do this and I might succeed or fail. And I said to myself, well, I would rather fail as a writer than succeed as a lawyer at this mm -hmm. moment. So let me try it. And then I will either succeed or fail. And then I will see what I want to do next. Um, and then fortunately for me, I did get an agent and I did get that first book published um, many years ago now. Um, so it all worked out. Um, but it was, it was, uh, it was a challenge. So it sounds like you were going through exactly what it was that you want. You were like, I want to be happy, but you weren't necessarily fulfilled in that moment by your circumstances. So you were kind of like taking that project on internally as you had the idea, like you were a, your own project. Yes. Um, yeah, that book, funnily enough, was called Power, Money, Fame, Sex, A User's Guide. So it was a very different kind of book, but okay. I had that passionate desire to write it. A lot of times people think The Happiness Project is my first book because it was sort of the first one that became like a number one bestseller. But it was like many people, I worked very hard for 10 years to become an overnight sensation. <laughs> um, and, you know, yeah, for me, well, one of the things was that I really did feel this call to do it. Like I really wanted to do it. But another thing... Um, was that I saw that the people around me loved law. They wanted to talk about it on the weekends and at lunch, and they were reading law journals for fun, and they were having just, and they could remember so many facts. Like, it all came to them. Uh, you know, these were people really at the top of their game, and I was so full of admiration for them, but I was like, mm, you know, that's not me. I like, I wanted to do an excellent job for Justice O'Connor, um, and I did everything with my within my power, but I didn't do one scrap of work more. I never just did something because it was interesting. And I thought, you know, over the long term, I'm not going to be able to keep this up. These people love it, you know, and when you love it, you've got a kind of enthusiasm and, and energy 
um, things come more easily. You, you connect more easily with other people because you have shared interests. Um, I could just see that that was going to become a challenge for me. Whereas in writing, like with writing, talking shop, all I want to do is talk shop. I would talk shop morning, noon, and night. Uh, cause I love it. I love to talk about writing. I love to talk about podcasting. I love to talk about happiness or good habits, any of these things I'm inexhaustibly fascinated with. Um, and so that's kind of a sign to me that I'm in the right path. How did you take that leap though, in terms of being brave enough to leave something so cushioned and secure, um, that you weren't, you didn't hate your job. You just weren't in right. love with it. So how did you make that leap? Well, my husband and I, um, we were married, we were both working in law and we were going to move from DC to New York. And for both of us, we decided we weren't going to look for law jobs in New York. That was going to be the moment he wanted to get, he wanted to switch from law to go to finance. So he took a night course at GW about financial accounting. And I bought a book at a bookstore called something like how to write and sell your nonfiction book proposal. And, um, we moved to New York and it was like, and, and I didn't have a, I didn't have another job. My job was to get an agent and wow. I just worked all day doing that. And, um, I remember the day came, we hadn't lived there all that long when we got a note from the New York state bar association, right. Saying it's time to pay your bar fees. Um, and bar fee, that's not like 20 bucks. This it's a good amount of money that you got to stay to be in good, uh, you know, um, in good, uh, yeah, good standing in the law. And so I said to my husband, I was like, are we going to pay our bar fees? And he said, no, we're not going to pay our bar fees. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, this is happening. You know, we, we, now it turns out like you can always do, you know, you can always go back if you like pay the money and take a few courses. But at the time it felt like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is the moment of, of you know, turning our back on the past and striding into the future. Beautiful. Um, so part of it was that part of it was easier for me because I knew very clearly what I wanted. It wasn't like I hated my job and I didn't know what I wanted to do. It's like, I liked my job, but now I really, really wanted to do this other thing. I think that made it clear because I knew I wanted to write this book. So that was very clear. And as I say, the people in my life, like my, my family was very tolerant of risk and my husband was going through exactly the same thing. So he, wow. he was not only tolerant of it, but he was, he was, he was going through the same thing himself. So that I think all those factors contributed to making it uh, easier than it might have been um, if the circumstances had been different. Yeah. I think having a support system is even like yeah. one person that supports yeah. you and, you know, you didn't necessarily have financial security because you both, like at least when a DNI took leaps, the other one had a secure nine to five job. So when I decided to do my, I mean, ish. Except for the last leap. Yeah, the final one, no, but there was more trust in that. But as we bounced back and forth between one of us being an entrepreneur and starting our own thing, the other person had a secure job, which gave our insurance to the family. Yeah. And so it's really cool that he, you know, he was also the one that was a little bit more trusting in that, like, no, we're not going to do this. Right. I, but I do feel like sometimes people who are thinking about making a change, a dramatic change, 
are waiting for everybody around around them to like burst into applause and tell them it's a great idea. And from what I've observed, you know, often from the deepest love and sense of protection, people don't want us to take a risk. They don't want us to get our feelings hurt. We don't want, they don't want to see us get rejected or disappointed. And so they urge us to stay on a safer path. And the fact is, one, one of the things is who knows what the safe path is, because as we've seen over and over in the last 10, 15 years, people were doing things that they thought were very, very safe and secure. And then the whole thing blew up. So there is no true safety. Agreed. And then also a lot of people you pour time. I've talked to so many people who are like, oh, my parents told me, well, you'd mentioned medical school. Oh, I'm good at research and writing. Everybody in my family is a doctor. I should go to medical school. And then 10 years later, you're like, uh, I don't want to be a doctor. It's like, okay, I spent all this time, all this money, all this energy. And in fact, I never really wanted to do it in the first place. And so if you feel like eh, people are talking me into this, it's like, well, a lot of times the easy way is to drift into what others expect from you or what seems like the easy option. Um, you know, you don't want to have a fight. You don't want to, you don't know what you want. It's all very uncomfortable, but you can spend a lot of time, energy or money on, you know, it's, it's not going to feel easy while you're doing it. And then, and I mean, I went to law school. I was like, I had no desire, particular desire to be a lawyer. I went for all the wrong reasons. I can change my mind later. It's a great education. It'll keep my options open. I'm good at research and writing. It's like, okay, well, the people who go to law school and like it are the ones who want to be lawyers. That's what law school prepares you to. It's a great preparation to be a lawyer. It's not a great default choice for just people who like to read because, you know, You're it's exactly hard. reading the stuff you want to read either. Yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. I mean, could I tell you about ERISA, the employment law? Hey everybody, it's Adi again, and I want to share with you something that I believe is one of the most useful free tools I've ever created for my clients and for you. It's our free personalized My Drinking Score report. Look, you already know that at Ignited, we don't care much for labels and we don't believe in any of those once a blah, 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 always a blah, blah, blah slogan. But if you are questioning your specific relationship with alcohol, you may be trying to figure out how to understand what you need to do and whether you're moving in the right direction. Well, then this completely free tool is for you and will give you the answers you're looking for. All you're going to do is you're going to take a five-minute quiz answering simple questions that you know the answers to. And then like magic, our system is going to spit out a custom report so that you can find out more about your relationship with alcohol and actually get guidance and help to some of the changes that you can individually make. I created this tool to give you a customized, personalized, virtual resource that you can take at any time and that makes it easy to get the exact recommendations and steps that you need to help eliminate your struggles. Anybody can take it and did I mention that it's completely 100% free? Well, it is. So stop running around in circles trying to figure out why you're having a hard time getting sober and get real solutions and guidance to help transform your life and get ignited forever. Just pause this audio right now and go to ignited.com forward slash go. Again, that's ignited.com forward slash go and take our five minute quiz right now. Find out what your drinking score is and then share it and tag us on Instagram or Facebook because remember, fuck shame. Together, we get to move forward and get better every day. What you do now, and I I totally see how it came about in your own life, is you really try to make these things easy to digest, 
easy mm-hmm. to process. Like you have this thing about commandments uh, on your yeah. blog. And I almost feel like some of the writing you do, and I'd love to understand how you realize that that's what you love doing and you're good at is almost about like summaries and shortcuts Mm -hmm. that they can then adopt into their life on a regular basis before they want to make a big change before, maybe before they think they would ever need to make a change in order to become more in touch with who they are. Like your number one commandment is be more Gretchen. Like, Mm -hmm. and so for each person kind of creating their own thing or just be more of yourself, obviously the leap you took was to listen to that inside voice and say, I'm a successful attorney. Like I'm doing well by all standards of law from everybody outside, but I know I'm called to do something else. When was it along your writing? that you started saying, okay, what I need to do is start figuring out how to package this in ways that people can absorb it more easily and incorporate it into their life. Well, you know, I think it was traumatic uh, response to being a lawyer (laughs) because as a lawyer, I was just spent so much time reading things that were so long and so complicated and so boring and so unclear that I was like, you know, I was like Scarlett O'Hara. I was like, as God is my witness, I will never write like that again. Um, and you know, of course in law, you have to be very extremely precise, precise in a way that it is very tiresome in everyday life. But even still, there's just really no excuse for a lot of legal writing to my mind. And so I really, um, did make it my aim to write clearly as clearly as possible. And it's funny because when I sit down and write a first draft, it comes out extremely fancy and legal. And I read a lot of like Samuel Johnson, you know, like, you know, 18th century stuff. So it comes out that way. Like that's how my writing is. And so what is actually then finally what another person reads has gone through many, many, many edits where I'm like, what am I actually trying to say? What is, you know, what are the words that can succinctly capture this? Like, you know, how do I make it funny? How do I make it concrete? So it's not just a bunch of abstractions. I mean, I run into this a lot when people are talking about things like happiness and good habits is that a lot of people when talking about it fall into abstraction. And it's like, well, no one's going to argue with you that like relationships are important in everyday life or that trust is an important component in the workplace. And it's just like, well, I'm not going to fight you about trust being important in the workplace, but like, what does that even mean? Like, how do I walk in tomorrow morning and build trust in my workplace? Like, what does that look like? Um, Or, you know, I want to experience the moment. It's like, what would you do to experience the moment? So I'm always trying to be like, okay, what are, how do, like, how do you make it clear and how do you make it concrete? Cause I feel like that's when for me, ideas really penetrate. And so I'm always like, how can I communicate my ideas the most vividly? And now that, you know, I have a podcast, I I'm on all over social media. And so I see how, what, resonates with people, what they respond to. And what I've seen is that people respond much more like enthusiastically and they get it and they can act on it so much better when it's discussed in terms of like concrete, manageable um, ideas rather than kind of a cloud of abstract words that all sound great, but then it's kind of like you're, you're sort of left thinking, Oh, okay. What, what exactly just happened? Exactly. Um, do you yeah, mind, do be- you mind sharing some tangible t- tips for our listeners? And um, specifically what I was thinking about is, you know, a lot of people, I feel like the majority of people are somewhere in the middle. They're not necessarily like 
you know, some people are really depressed and in a really bad place and really are rock bottom, but I feel, and like some people are super, super happy, but I think most of us are in the middle where it's like some days just feel hard. Many days feel blah. What are some tangible tips for like, you know, I'm kind of exhausted by like gratitude lists, like wake up and yeah. like list your, like I'm over I do it. Not, I, I hated keeping a gratitude like, journal. Like oh, was over it really 10 years ago, me. 15 years yeah. ago. It helped me then. But like, what about those people in the middle that don't feel great every day, but want to feel better? What could you offer them? Well, you're, you're very right. I mean, all around the world, when you ask people if they're happy, most people say they're either pretty happy or very happy. So most people are pretty happy. And what the research suggests is that about 50% of happiness is genetically determined. It's hardwired into us. And, you know, some people are born tiggers, as you said, some people are born Eeyores. That's just their nature. Then about 10 to 20% is things like life circumstances, which is things like health, occupation, income, marital status, Um, And then all the rest is very much a product of our conscious thoughts and actions. And that's where we can really make a big difference. And so the way I think about it is that each of us has kind of a natural range. Like maybe you're a seven to 10 and maybe I'm a four to seven, but we can all do things to push ourselves up to the top of our natural range, or we can do things that are going to push us down to the bottom of our natural range. And so the question is, given whoever you are and your circumstances, which you kind of have some control over, but not tremendous amount of control over. What do you have control over to make yourself as happy as you can be under those circumstances? What's up, everybody? So glad that you've tuned in here today. You know, we bring you these recovery episodes to help anyone who's struggling with addiction or habits that don't serve them break free of the cycle using the latest research and the most effective strategies that I've found over my years of doing this and thousands of people I've helped. Obviously, we offer this free resource to you because I know that getting help is hard and I want to make it as easy as possible. So even if you never join our online hero program or come to our retreats or come and work with me individually, I want you to at least have access to the same powerful tools that have changed thousands of lives. If you like this and think it's useful, please give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or just wherever you're listening to this right now. It really helps get the word out about this free resource, which is important since my goal is to help over a million people. So thanks a lot for being part of the Ignited community. Now let's get you back to the help. And these are, a lot of these things are really small. Hilarious to me is that like the number one thing, when I say to people, what resolution have you followed that's made you happier? The number one thing that people mention, and I would not say this is the most significant thing you can do, but the number one thing people mention over and over is to make your bed. So many people find this to be a super helpful way to just get started on the day, feel like you're starting the day right. I mean, another thing, and it's so common, but everybody, it's so common because everybody knows it works. Is like, if you need a quick lift, listen to one of your favorite upbeat songs. Mm-hmm. So many people now have playlists. They set their alarm to their favorite song. It's like, that is a, an extremely quick, easy, reliable way to intervene in mood. So that's that. Then there are funnier ones, like ones having to do with kind of self-knowledge. Uh, one that we talked about on the Happier podcast, and we were surprised by how enthusiastically people got into it, was to choose a signature color. And people were just enthralled with this idea of like, what's their signature? A lot of people said they had a signature color without realizing it. Like they looked at all their dishes in the, in the dishwasher, or they looked at all the clothes in their closet, and they were like, oh my gosh, I have a signature cl- color. I hadn't even noticed. Or people had a signature pattern like polka dots or stripes, or they had a signature texture like velvet or denim or leather. It's one of these things like, you know, when you were talking about B. Gretchen, well, it's one of these things that it's kind of fun and and kind of creative. And then it also can help you with things like decision fatigue because it's like, well, I want to buy a new cover from my iPhone. 
what color should I buy? Well, why don't I buy my signature color? Because, you know, everything could be in my signature color. Um, or uh, things like, um, you know, a lot of times people know, I mean, I wrote a little book called Outer Order, Inner Calm about why Outer Order um, contributes to inner calm for most of us. And, you know, a lot of people don't have a lot of time, energy, or money. So they're looking for kind of quick strategies, quick solutions. And one thing that so many people said has helped them is the one minute rule. This is the rule that anything that you can do in less than a minute, you do without delay. So you hang up your coat, you put a dish in the dishwasher, you scan an email, answer it in one word and delete it. You print out a document, stick it in the file. And what this does, it just gets that scum of clutter you know, off the surface of life. You can take a minute and put a bunch of dog toys in the dog toy basket. And then, so you're not, you're not setting aside an afternoon. You're not making a big production out of it. It's just as you go through your day, but it's, but it's a little step that for a lot of people can really, really bring a lot more outer order. And, and there's a weird connection when we feel like our stuff's in control. A lot of times we feel more in control of our life generally. So I'm always looking for ideas like that. Some are more transcendent, like imitate a spiritual master. That's to me, one of my favorite all-time resolutions. My spiritual master is St. Therese of Lisieux, even though I'm not Catholic, but I've heard of other people's and that's an extraordinary kind of task to set yourself. So some are very small and some are very large, um, but they're all kind of meant to be concrete. Hello, everybody. I am so excited to share with you the next two in-person retreats that Ignited is offering. If you followed Sophie and I at all, you saw how absolutely incredible our Tulum retreat, the Up Level Your Life retreat was. Well, we've got two coming right down here in Southern California. The first one is the men's retreat. It's going to take place February 8th to 12th, and it's going to happen in Temecula, California, just a couple of hours away from LA and San Diego. It is going to be magical. It's the third year in a row we've done this. It is pure magic. This happens right before Valentine's Day on purpose in order to help people show up as their best to what's happening for them and for their partner in their relationship. What does that mean? That means they can radically accept, they can have transparency, they can have preparation goals and strategy on how to transform themselves and their relationship into the next best version of them. And this year, for the first time ever, our highly anticipated women's retreat happening at the exact same time in Southern California, February 8th through 12th. So if you're in a partnership, you can come in separately to each of those retreats and have literally one of the most incredible Valentines you have ever experienced in your life. After the last two men's retreats, I got emails from women from wives whose husbands went to retreat saying, I don't know what you all did over there, but I've never seen my husband like this. If you want that kind of response this year for the two of you, come right now. Now, normally when we talk about this, we get some questions. So the first one is, do I have to be in a relationship to come to an Ignited retreat? First of all, no, you don't have to be in a relationship to attend either one of them. We're definitely going to have some elements of the program around relationship. Guess what? You are in multiple relationships in your lives right now with yourself and with other people around you. This is going to help all of those not just romantic relationship. Another big question we get is, what's the difference between this retreat and that up-level your life retreat we just saw you all having in Tulum? Well, these two are, first of all, they're gender specific. So it's the first time we're splitting up our community in this way, but we've been having the men's retreat. There are some things that are just easier to talk about sometime in limited, smaller groups that are more specific, you know? About two thirds were women at the up-level your life retreat. And so this split will do a lot. It's gonna help increase radical transparency and openness. It's gonna empower empower people to be the best version of themselves and be transparent. And it's going to allow you to hone in on the masculine and feminine to allow for massive transformation. And if you know anything about polarity, really reach this Valentine's Day in maximum polarity. Plus, if you're in a relationship, 
you guys will get discounts for joining together. Contact us more for more details. All you got to do is go to ignited.com forward slash events. That's IGNTD.com forward slash events to learn more and save your spot. Again, we have early bird pricing and a six month payment plan. And if you come as a couple, you will get a further discount on both of these. Cannot wait to see you. If you had massive FOMO around Tulum, do not let that happen to you again. Thank you for tuning in to the Ignited Heroes Recovery Podcast. I really hope you found the information here useful and that we'll see you back here next week. And look, I want to make sure that this podcast is the most useful it can be for you. So please let me know by emailing info at ignited.com if there are any specific topics or questions you'd like to have addressed. As usual, if you like this episode, I would love for you to leave us a five-star review and rating. Thanks and see you next week.